Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. TV with Calvin and Barry. Just two crazy fans of the Sacramento Kings and they sharing their opinion. So be sure that you subscribe. It's for the fans, by the fans. Whether you chilling on the couch or wilding in the stands. For laid back conversations about the Kings, subscribe here. Staying down until we come up thinking this gonna be our year. We're here drinking beer, talking about the Kings. Be sure you subscribe so you can hear that bell ring. Yeah. What's up, Kings fans? Welcome back to Royal Rebounds, the Sacramento Kings YouTube channel for fans by fans. Unfortunately, the Kings lose in a heartbreaker today to the Golden State Warriors, 126-125. The series is now tied 2-2 and headed back to Sacramento, but that's okay. We're here. We're giving you a shoulder to cry on. We're here for post-game live here on YouTube, also live on Twitter Spaces. So if you'd like to have your voice heard, you can hop up onto Twitter, request to come up on stage, and you can speak. I do have Calvin live with us on Twitter Spaces. He is currently still in Michigan on vacation, but Calvin, what is up? What is up, Barry? What's up, you guys? Uh, Looking forward to being back in the studio i will be in studio for game five hopefully that will be a king's win and if that's the case i apologize to everyone i won't go on vacation anymore (laughs) that's what i like to hear shout out to all my kings fans here on youtube in the chat of course my royal family members gothan and callum are here shout out to mojo tom d fox collector sass and JN and hi mom good to see you welcome in everybody and yes it was a heartbreaking loss to the Golden State Warriors what's up Jeff good to see you but I got a lot of positives to take from this game um, and I want to talk about those but before we do that Gilbert good to see you Calvin give me your first thoughts on the loss tonight well initially like you said it's heartbreaking it's a it's a disappointing loss I mean Game three was a disappointing loss for other reasons. This one, you know, the Kings led by double digits for a portion of this game. Uh, they bunch of runs up back and forth. It, it was a very tightly contested game the whole way. And, of course, to, to lose the way that they did, that's very deflating, um, especially, you know, having to go back to Sacramento with a chance to be up 3-1. Now you're going back 2-2. It's a completely wide-open series, and the first team to win a road game is going to win this series. It, that, to me is what it comes down to here. But uh, i got to be honest with everybody listening. I, I have been doing family stuff for the majority of the day. So uh, while I was able to sit down and watch portions of this game, I was not as glued to the TV as I normally am for a Kings game. So I, I apologize when it comes to my uh, anal- analyzing uh, of this game. But what I have to take away from this game is, you know, Golden State has made a lot of really good adjustments since going back home. Of course, we knew they were going to play better at home. That's just the way that they are. That's the way most teams are. But I think Golden State is maybe a little bit more, uh, you know, having been up and down on the road and at home this season, they take advantage more so than maybe most teams do of playing in their home arena. But defensively, they're doing a lot of really nice things. The Kings scored a lot of points in this game, but they've made some really good adjustments against De'Aaron Fox. He was able to knock down a bunch of threes in that first half, but the shots kind of fell short as we got late into this game. Maybe he was a little bit tired, and I think the Kings were pulling the trigger a little bit quickly down the stretch. Not enough ball movement, um, not enough great late-game execution, and, and the Warriors were able to get the, the, the plays and the shots that they needed. Clay Thompson was really big for them in that fourth quarter, uh, and of course, this is going to be a physical series the rest of the way, so 
you know, whether you, the non-calls were a factor, whatever the case may be, it's been like that since game one. And that's something that both teams have had to adjust to as we go through the series. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. It is a physical series. This is the first game back for Draymond Green after the suspension. We're definitely going to talk about him. Um, but first, shout-out to Bouncer. Shout-out to Sass, Progressive G, Tito, and Kings and Six. Good to see you all here in the chat. If it's your first time to the channel here, please smash up that like button. Please also consider hitting that subscribe button. We are live after every single Sacramento Kings game. Calvin, uh, a lot of mistakes were made by both teams at the end of this game. We heard Doris Burke on the national broadcast saying, it looks like one of these teams has been here before and not the other. Uh, I'd beg to differ, Calvin. I mean, we see the Golden State Warriors call a timeout with no timeouts left, giving the Kings a, a foul shot and the ball back, uh, an ability to you know bring the game within one. Um, and then we also saw a ton of mistakes by the Sacramento Kings late in this game. So, uh, you know, the Golden State Warriors came out with a lead, but I don't think this was as one-sided as the announcers made it seem. No, def I definitely would agree with that. It, 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 this game was not one-sided in either way. Um, I, I do think there's maybe a, a little bit of truth to that statement. I don't want to take it too far or, or too extreme or, or give credit too much to Golden State for being the, the team that executed more because they did make mistakes down the stretch. Like you pointed out, calling a timeout when there is none left, uh, that's not a very championship-level team move, especially when it's Steve, or, uh, Steve Kerr or Steph Curry. Those guys, you know, you would think would have had that, that sealed up, and they almost lost the game because of that. So you could definitely point to mistakes made by both teams. However, I think there is a big difference down the stretch of this game in the way that Golden State ran their offensive sets and the way the Kings did. You know, a lot of similarities have been brought up between these two teams in the style of offense that they run all season long. You know, thanks to Mike Brown coming from Golden State and seeing a lot of similarities in the way this team was constructed, being able to play fast, free-flowing, uh, get up a bunch of threes, you know, and have the late-game closers. Tonight, uh, Golden State when they ran their sets, they ran them to perfection. It spread the floor, move the ball, dribble, penetrate, kick, uh, you know, play off the screens really well. Some of them were moving screens. Some of them weren't called, but that's the NBA. That's every game. The Warriors got the job done. Sacramento, I, did, I thought, settled and relied too much. You know, this is maybe one of the problems with, or not a problem, but a uh, – just something that you can kind of get lulled into or sucked into when you have somebody like De'Aaron Fox who has been so good in clutch time all season long. You you fall accustomed or you become accustomed to giving him the ball and saying, get us out of this hole. We're, we're relying on you to carry us to the finish line. And you got to give him credit. He has done it many, many times this season. But this is a different animal. This is a seven-game playoff series. You're expending a lot more energy throughout the course of the game. Uh, you know, leading up to the fourth quarter than you do in a regular season game. And I thought that tonight, Fox, uh, Andrew Wiggins did a really great job on him. He had a couple of very key blocks there in the fourth quarter. Fox was not really able to get the same type of separation or types of shots that he's used to getting in those late game situations. And they did not move the ball well enough, in my opinion. You, you've got to make the adjustment and say, okay, if you're going to force De'Aaron to take the ball out of his hands, let him pass early and then run him off of the screen or something, try and get him the ball relocated a lot like they do Steph Curry. I mean, that's really what I took away there from the final couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. It was a rough uh, end of the game for Kings fans. I mean, dude, my heart was racing. Uh, I, I thought we lost this game three different times. Then I'm like, hey, we got a chance. We're, we're in it. We're going to win it. And then, of course, that last possession where the Kings are down one, they have the ball. Uh, I saw some people here early on in the chat saying that De'Aaron should have called a timeout with about four seconds left when he got trapped there at the top of the key. What are your thoughts there, Cal? I mean, it's easy to say that after you see the shot that they got up, right? But in, in live time, you know, that's probably something that they they would have discussed in the timeout, saying, you know, if we get into this situation or we're not able to get the first look, you know, when do we call the timeout? How much time do you want to have left? It's it's tough like that. I, I was not a big fan of throwing the ball all the way into the backcourt because, again, you're walking it up slow. You know that they're going to come double-team you. 
right away. And the, if you throw the ball way into the backcourt like that, that allows for the double team to come higher and closer to half court, which means you're going to be that much farther away from the basket when you start to make your initial move. So I understand why you do that. You, you want there to be Fox to be able to get the ball cleanly and walk it up and, and kind of assess the, the situation. Um, but with that little time on the clock, I, I just think you're playing into Golden State's hands a little bit for them being able to trap you close to half court where at this point, you know, there's already seven or six seconds left because you've had to walk the ball up into the, into the front court. So yeah. I, I didn't exactly like the move there. You, you still live with that shot by Harrison Barnes. I know he didn't shoot the ball well, but that's a capable shooter. He's got a good look from three. Um, maybe it's not the, the ideal shot or the shot that they drew up in the time in, in the timeout. And yes, you could easily say, well, they had that timeout. They could have used it. But you got a clean look. Um, I, I just thought that maybe you shouldn't have thrown it that far into the back or, or Fox should have been a little bit more aggressive trying to get more speed downhill so that initial trap wasn't as easy to stop the ball like that. Yeah, shout out to Dennis, to Lee, Tay, Tom, Mojo. Good for you guys to join in. Thank you so much. Um, Calvin, I mean, I was okay with the last shot. Like you said, Harrison Barnes is not a bad three-point shooter. He was open. Uh, if that ball goes in, we're having a much different conversation here. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I, the, another reason I'm not, I'm not super mad about that last shot is we saw multiple times towards the end of the game where – Kings players tried to go at the basket. I'm talking about De'Aaron Fox, Domas Sabonis, Malik Monk, and they got stopped at the rim. The referees were not interested in making a call to change this game here. Um, so you're either going to have to make the layup or um, you're turning the ball over. So I was okay with that last shot by Harrison Barnes. Of course, I wish it would have gone in, though. Um, I definitely want to talk about you know where we're at here in this series, heading to Golden State. You're the Sacramento Kings. You're up 2-0. You're feeling fantastic. A lot of people didn't have you winning a single game in this series. You're up 2-0. Now it's a little bit different story. You're heading back home, uh, basically at 0-0 again. The Kings have been a good home team. The Warriors have not been good on the road. However, a much much more experienced team uh, in the Golden State Warriors, the reigning championship team, seems to make adjustments later on in series, and we've seen the adjustments they've, they've made in the past two games, even without guys like Draymond Green. Uh, Kevon Looney has stepped up and played huge for them. Uh, so as we get closer and closer to this being a one, two, three-game series, uh, the Golden State Warriors could potentially have an edge. I definitely want to talk about that. But before we do that, I want to just dive here into the box score, go over some of the stats on the game. So real quick, Domas Sabonis, 37 minutes of action, 7-13 from the field, 14 points, uh, 7 rebounds and 8 assists in this game, also had 4 personal fouls. Harrison Barnes, 3-11 of 11 from the field, 1-6 of 6 from 3-point range, 9 points and 3 rebounds and 31 minutes of action. A little bit of a lackluster offensive performance for him tonight. But not for Keegan Murray, 9-13 of 13 from the field, 5-7 of 7 from 3-point range, 23 points, 7 rebounds, and an assist in 33 minutes. He definitely stepped up big after struggling in the first three games of this series. Deard Fox led all Kings players in minutes tonight. 40 minutes for him, 14 of 31 from the field, 4 of 11 from three-point range, 38 points, 9 rebounds, and 5 assists. Calvin, another game the Kings lose with Deard being the leading scorer. I'm just going to point that out here. Uh, Kevin Herter struggles in this game, only plays 21 minutes, 2 points, Three rebounds and two assists, one of four from the field. Only attempts one three-pointer in this game. Kind of strange. Uh, Trey Lyles, 12 minutes, five points off the bench. Uh, Davion Mitchell, an incredible defensive performance for him. 27 minutes of action, 12 points, a rebound and assist. Played great defense on Steph Curry. Malik Monk, uh, 16 points for him. Five rebounds and six assists and 28 minutes of action. And then Alex Len, I love what I saw out of him uh, in only 11 minutes, six points and five rebounds. As far as the Golden State Warriors go, 32 points for Steph Curry, 5'11 from three-point range. But if you're watching this game, it felt like he made 10-plus threes in this one, uh, made one every time they needed one. 26 points for Klay Thompson, 22 for Jordan Poole, and 18 for Andrew Wiggins. And Draymond Green comes off the bench in this game, 31 minutes off the bench, 12 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 of 14 
from the field. Calvin, anything here that really stands out to you? Well, you, you expect to hear the numbers from, you know, the Warriors core group of guys, or I guess maybe their big three or the little three, however you want to look at, at it, Poole, Curry, and, and Thompson. Um, you know, Steph Curry is Steph Curry. Uh, I mean, there's – Davion is doing such a phenomenal job against him. You know, whether it's Fox or somebody else on him, they've done well in – trying to limit him or at least trying to, to make him take difficult shots. I mean, that one step back shot he threw up over, over Davion today where it wasn't really even a shot. He just kind of threw the ball at the basket. That goes in. I mean, that's you can't really do anything about that. That's the greatest shot maker in, in NBA history, just making shots. So Steph will, will always get his numbers, it, it seems like. To me, it, it's how do you find a way to limit the other guys um, and it's easier said than done but I said Clay Thompson was the key for the Warriors to me going into this series uh, and today he was a huge huge factor in the second half especially in the fourth quarter um, just too many times where he's able to to slip free uh, it, it's tough to guard this offense you know with all the movement and screens that they run and, and the way that they disguise those screens to be set up and Clay Thompson's maybe the best catch-and-shoot player of all time, you know, him or Ray Allen. But to me, you've got to be able to contest those threes better late in the games, at least make it difficult on him. And that's the one of the X factors for me in this game. Yeah, Ryan here. Shout-out to Ryan here in the chat. Ryan says, Calvin and Barry, why is Sabonis so hesitant? I thought Sabonis was extremely aggressive in the first half of this game. Uh, of course, I would have liked him to make some of those, you know, mid-range jumpers. Um, but him being in foul trouble late in the game, I think, affected how aggressive he was. What are your thoughts, Cal? That's actually a great point to bring up um, because we've, you know, over the course of the season, we've kind of had this discussion in, in little bits and pieces, you know, when the Kings are struggling to score offensively. Uh, guys are either sagging off Sabonis, giving him that mid-range shot, or you know he just is always looking to make a play for somebody else. And and we've brought this point up about him being more aggressive. I think the Warriors have done an excellent job at defending him, um, and, and I say that for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, it helps to have a a big man who is you know, pretty mobile, able to move his feet defensively, a guy that you can kind of rely on, you know, to, to defend in the post uh, against most guys. And Kevon Looney has done a great job. He's given a very good effort. You know, could Sabonis have gotten to the free throw line a bunch more in the series? Yes, you can definitely make that argument. But I, I don't think that it takes away much from what the Warriors are doing. Uh, in game one, they were doubling him pretty quickly, almost anywhere when he caught the ball on the floor. Since that game, they've kind of moved away from that because the idea is, okay, look, Sabonis is not going to look to score himself unless he catches the ball so deep in the paint that it just makes sense for him to go to the basket. When he gets the ball in the perimeter, he is only thinking to look to make plays for others. So the Warriors have said, forget it. We are not going to double him anywhere. Even when he's in the post, we're not going to send the double team right away because we know that he's looking at first to make another pass. And that's how this offense has gotten so good over the course of the season, by moving the ball from him being the trigger man, uh, backdoor cuts, off-ball screens, all of that stuff. The Warriors are doing a good job of defending that away from the ball. And so Sabonis is you know, slow to get into his back down every time. I think he is a little bit too forceful. Sometimes we saw a couple of offensive fouls drawn by Looney today. He's kind of playing into their hands defensively, and it's forcing De'Aaron Fox to get the ball going as a playmaker himself a little bit earlier in the series. So, yes, you can say that Sabonis should be more aggressive, but I think the Warriors are also doing a really good job at taking away, you can argue, his best attribute, and that's making plays for others. Yeah, the Warriors are, are doing a great job making adjustments in the series, that's for sure. I love what I saw out of Sabonis early on in this game, going one-on-one -on -one against Looney inside. I thought he had a big advantage there 
and the Kings did seem to go a little bit away from that. We saw a bunch of jacked-up threes late in this game. Of course, De'Aaron made one, which we were all happy about, right, because it cuts the lead to one. Um, but I would have liked to see Sabonis get the ball inside a little bit more. But like you said, the Warriors are definitely making adjustments and trying to take that away. Uh, Scotty says, only one free throw attempt for the Kings in the first half. Yeah, that was rough. That was really, really rough. But looking at the team stats here, you know, Calvin, we're these teams play so similar. It's it's astonishing. Looking at the team stats here, uh, you know, the Kings shot forty seven percent from the field. The Warriors shot fifty percent from the field. Both teams made fourteen threes tonight. Uh, the free throw attempts, although they were really lopsided in the first half, the Kings did attempt eighteen uh, towards the end of this game in total, as opposed to twenty four for the Golden State Warriors. Uh, rebounds dead tie at forty four each. Uh, steals are pretty close. Total turnovers ten for the Kings, twelve for the Warriors. Uh, fast break points fifteen to seventeen. Points in the paint dead even at fifty fifty. Fouls twenty one to nineteen. Uh, this seems like a very very well balanced series and probably the best first round series in the playoffs so far in my opinion I would have loved to see the Kings headed back home up 3-1 uh kind of like what the Knicks did to the Cavaliers today uh but it wasn't in the cards so the Kings are gonna have to keep fighting uh and I'm just excited to hear those cowbells when we get back to Sacramento Calvin 100% without a doubt uh, you're couldn't be uh, more correct in saying that this is the best first round series. I mean, we've already had one sweep. We might have another sweep by the end of tomorrow. Um, and, you know, a couple of other series are, are up 3 1. So um, th- this, I think we all knew was going to be a, an incredibly highly contested and entertaining series right from the get go after that game one win for Sacramento. And, and you know, We've talked about a lot of negatives, but again, you've, you've got to live in the moment here if you're Sacramento. And as you have done so well lately, Barry, bringing up the positives, you know, Keegan Murray had a fantastic game today. You hope that that can continue because if he continues to hit from outside, the Kings are a much, much different team when he scores and, and that three-point shot is falling. Um, to be up 2-0 after those first two games, basically playing with house money, you knew the Warriors were going to come back strong at home. Of course, it would have been great to take one game in San Francisco. But, you know, at this point, with how even you just displayed in, in the team stats for most of these games have been, for the series to be tied 2-2, you, you kind of expect that at this point. So now it's about resetting. You get to go home and feed off your home crowd again. It's a big, big, big-time game five. I mean, the winner of that, that game tied 2-2 wins the series almost every single time. So this is a huge game five, but you get to play at home. And if you win that, you got two chances to seal the deal. So the Kings are still very, very much in this. Yeah, very true. Shout out to Scotty and for Gee for joining in here. Good to see you guys. Uh, And Calvin, something you mentioned early in the podcast today, uh, the first one to win a road game looks like they're going to be the winner. I beg to differ here, Calvin. The Kings can win just home games and take care of the series. So uh, not that I'm saying I wish a, go- a game seven in, in Sacramento. However, uh, the Kings have a chance here, uh, multiple different ways to make it happen, but they need to win game five, in my opinion. Uh, shout out to Jose for joining in here, a member of the Royal Family. Jose says, despite the loss, I see determination with the Kings. I feel like a double-digit win back at home. I would love to see that, Jose. I would absolutely love to see that. Calvin, it's time to talk about the D word, Draymond Green. Let's talk a little bit about Draymond. It's his first game back uh, from the suspension. Uh, I'm not going to lie, Calvin. I spent much of yesterday uh, (laughs) riling myself up watching old videos of Draymond Green uh, committing uh, bad fouls on opponents. Uh, I pissed myself off. Um, hopefully the Kings did the same thing. Um, but what were your thoughts on Draymond Green's return today? I think it took a minute and 20 seconds for him into the game uh, to pick up his first technical foul for uh, hitting somebody in the groin. <laughs> well, I think it was for him or, sorry, arguing the face. with De'Aaron Fox. But, but yes, he did poke Keegan Murray in the eye very quickly after checking into the game. I was a little, I can't say I was too surprised, but I was a little surprised that they chose to have him come off the bench and they stuck with that four guard lineup to start the game. Um, but it's been very effective for them. So at the same time, I can't be too 
by that. Look, nothing that Draymond is going to do at this point is going to surprise me. I don't think it should surprise anyone. Um, that that's just who he is. Even his own coaches and teammates at this point say that. So that's that's just who the guy is. Um, I, I do think, you know, Kings fans might not like me very much for this, but I do think he had a big Im- impact on this game. They switched him on to, to Fox a lot in the second half. It wasn't perfect, but he gave them a different look, and he defended Dearn fairly well for somebody that you know really shouldn't have much business guarding a guy that's that quick and that fast. Uh, so you know, I do think that Draymond definitely had an impact on this game. He even came in and hit a, a three early when they left him open. So it, it is what it is. It, it's something that the Kings are going to have to just like with every player in this series you know it's been really physical from the jump and that's not just Draymond Green um, it's something that the Kings are going to have to deal with and and uh, hopefully not let it get in their heads too much because you know that's the game that Draymond is trying to play he's trying to get under your skin and if you let him do that in a playoff game it can be very costly yeah yeah it's very true uh, I think it's more common in the past than now, but a lot of teams had kind of that bruiser guy that could get kicked out of games and, and still win or could get suspended from a game and still win a game, kind of like the Warriors did in game three. Uh, do you see a guy like that on the Kings? Do you think the Kings are lacking a guy like that to go up against a Draymond Green? No, I don't. Uh, I mean, you know, you can say that it's nice to have those guys, but uh, look, I think you could ask anybody around the league at this point, would you want Draymond or Dylan Brooks on your team? And I think most people would say no uh, because of the ridiculous antics that they've displayed. And not just that, but their their quality of play on the court doesn't match that same level. It, you know, Draymond used to be uh, a more uh, somebody that would produce more for them on the floor, whether it was assists, rebounds, steals, blocks, or points. I mean, across the board, he used to be a more productive player than he is now. Dylan Brooks, the same way. The guy has struggled to shoot all year long. I think most guys look at him in the league as, uh, you, you know, just a, a loud mouth. And that's it at this point. A, a guy that is just trying to get under your skin. So that's not really the state of the NBA right now. It's much more free flowing and, and uh, beautiful basketball out there as opposed to having that enforcer uh, on the team. So no, I, I don't think the Kings are lacking or missing that person at all. They're, they still have a chance to win this series even without that. So, Yeah. Yeah, they do. They definitely, definitely do. Uh, yeah. I mean, dude, I hate Draymond Green. I hate him so much. He's so frustrating to watch as a fan for another team. He's so annoying. Uh, I just want to punch him in the face, kind of like what he did to Jordan Poole. Uh, but, hey, I, I think one of the biggest effects that Draymond has now as he's starting to get older is I feel like he just makes other players on other teams uncomfortable while they're out there on the court, whether it's with the way he plays, whether it's the way that he chirps, the way that he talks to them, and, and even to the referees. Maybe he makes the referees feel a little bit uncomfortable because they're not really sure what to do. Uh, we heard a quote from him after uh, he was announced to be suspended for Game 3, and they said, Draymond Green, will you change? And he said, no, I'm never going to change. So that that kind of makes me wonder, Calvin, if, if you're – if you're a referee, if you're the NBA and you look at a guy like this that's had multiple incidents in the past over and over and over again, and you say, okay, what is the purpose of suspending this player, right? <laughs> is, it, is it a punishment to try and teach them to change or to do something? Is it just to, like, inhibit the team and make them not available? I mean, at what point, if you're the NBA, I see someone here in the comments point out saying, uh, Scotty says the best in the world should have standards. Um, you know, at what point as an NBA official, as, as the league staff, anybody like that, do you look at this situation and you say, okay, this is bad for basketball. Uh, we could suspend him for a game or two. Then he just comes back and does the same thing over and over again. Maybe that's his edge that he likes, um, but it, it negatively impacts everybody else around him. You, any thoughts there, Calvin? Yeah. I, I mean, that's a tough, discussion to have i mean i you know depending on your vantage point you're obviously going to feel differently about it um 
you know, I think even from the league's perspective, you know, the argument that it, this is bad for basketball, it, it is in the long run. But at the same time, you know, and I can't, I don't have numbers on this or, or statistics to back this up, but at some point, you know, everybody, a casual fan out there that's just tuning in or whatever, you know, some people like villains. I mean, they, you love to hate guys, right? I'm not using that as an excuse or saying that, you know, Draymond is in the right for any of that, but I'm just saying there are many different ways to look at it as, as in it's bad for basketball or it's bad for ratings or, or whatever like that, whatever the case may be. The, well, the could, bottom line is it could be hurting it's not, people. It could be hurting players. It could be hurting players. And that that's, of, of course, I'm not trying to give Draymond Green credit here. I mean, you kick somebody, you could definitely hurt them. Playing a professional sport, you are putting yourself at being risk of, of hurting or getting injured every moment. So it, it's just a very difficult argument to, to have. Like, um, I, you know, from the NBA's perspective, they should continue to suspend him when he does things like this and, they, and gets flagrant fouls and all that stuff. But, you know, has he done enough to say that you've you got to be suspended for a year at this point? Uh, that's a very difficult decision to make and a difficult argument to make. Yeah, it is. And, and just to be clear, I am not advocating for a year-long suspension for Draymond Green. I want a lifetime suspension for Draymond Green. Let's get him out of here, Calvin. Let's get him out of here. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, let's move on here. I want to talk a little bit about Harrison Barnes. Only nine points for him tonight. One of six from three-point range, of course. He had the very last shot there. The shot looked pretty good. Um, but it clanked off the back iron and out. Kings lose. Calvin, how are you feeling about HB? Because although he's one of the guys we consider one of the most uh, consistent guys for the for the Kings in terms of effort, enthusiasm, what he brings to the table, his offensive output this year has been a little bit of a roller coaster. He's had great games. He's had not so great games. Obviously, nine points is not really what you want to see out of your starting three or, or four um, in a playoff game, especially one that you lose by one. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, and the shooting numbers don't help as well. Three of 11 from the field, one of six from three-point range. You need guys to be much more efficient in the playoffs. Uh, give me your thoughts on Harrison Barnes, and you have any words of advice for him moving forward? Well, I'm still high on Harrison Barnes. I mean, Mike Brown's talked about him a lot as being, you know, one of the pillars of the locker room and a, a guy that they can lean on for his experience. Um, and I think that's even more so, obviously, in this series for a lot of reasons, right? Number one, he's one of the only guys that has deep playoff experience. The playoff experience that he got was playing for the team that they're playing against. So there's a lot of things that they can really lean on him for from a, a mental aspect or a scheme aspect in this series. The things that you're not getting from him that he was so stellar at for them during the regular season, the three-point shooting has kind of always been up and down, right? I mean, he's a, a good overall three-point shooter, but it is a little streaky at times. What he's not been able to do as effectively in this series that he did during the regular season is get the ball to the basket and get to the free-throw line. They've obviously let a lot of contact near the rim go in this series. Um, so, of course, that is you know a question. Should he be getting to the line more? Yeah, you can make the case for him and, and probably a lot of guys. Um, but he was really, really good at putting the ball on the floor and getting to his spots 
you know, that leaning one foot, uh, one hand bank shot that he so often puts up. You really haven't seen a lot of that in this series. Golden State's done a good job of taking the middle of the floor away from Sacramento and basically saying you can throw the ball into Sabonis here and force have him you know, force a, a tough shot up that's contested at the rim or we're going to let these guys shoot from three. And until tonight, the Kings haven't been able to capitalize on those three-point shots. So Harrison, um, I would love for him to be able to get to the foul line more because I think that really helps kind of open up and expand his game when he's being aggressive, taking it to the rim. I would also like to see them post him a little more. With Andrew Wiggins guarding Fox for a lot of this series and even Draymond guarding him, uh, Clay has been out on Herder a lot. You know, that should mean that Harrison has, who's a good post-up player for a wing with his size and his footwork, he's going to have a, a matchup in there uh, that, you know, a lot of times I think would work. So not that they need to throw the ball into the post to him every possession, but I'd like to see that maybe a few more times a game. It might help get him to the free throw line a little bit more. Um, but I, I really think Kevin Herter is the guy that they have to get going. And, and we might talk about him more as this, you know, later on in this show. But every, they've gotten contributions out of just about everybody that plays regular minutes now for this team. Even Keegan Murray had a great game today. Herter's the one guy who just really hasn't gotten his game going, uh, you know, at any point in this series. So, if they could get him right, you know, early in game five, that might be the deciding factor for Sacramento. Yeah, I really hope so. Back on uh, Harrison Barnes, he does seem to be uh, struggling a little bit at the basket with uh, some of the size of Kavon Looney. A lot of missed layups for Harrison Barnes, which is really, really unlike him, especially in today's game. Need to clean up some of that. Uh, but yeah, Calvin, let's talk a little bit about Kevin Herter. Only two points tonight, 21 minutes of action uh, so far in the series. Uh, six points for him in game one, 15 in game two, 13 in game three, and two here in game four. Uh, some of those numbers sound pretty decent. But it's really the three-point shooting is what he was brought here uh, to do in Sacramento. 0% tonight from three, 0% in game one, and then game three, 16% from three-point range. Game two, 42, or no, sorry, 22% from three-point range. We've seen a couple stretches of games this year where Kevin Herter has looked like he forgot how to shoot the three, and then other moments where he's been red hot from three-point range. I really hope he can find the stroke for Wednesday's game uh, because that could be huge for the Sacramento Kings. They need one more guy to step up, and these games will not be uh, as close, in my opinion. Calvin, what's it going to take to get a guy like Kevin Herter going on Wednesday? Well, they, they've got to be obviously smart about getting him the ball in the right spots. He's had a lot of wide-open looks at the basket it, from three, from mid-range. Uh, you know, in games two and three, I thought he did a much better job of still finding ways uh, to get off good shots and get to the basket and score. You know, 15 points and 13 points, definitely not bad. I mean, if you get normal production out of this offense, you know, from top to bottom, Kevin Herter scoring somewhere you know, between 12 and 18 points should be enough to win. Um, but it's really about how they want to run their offense, right? We've talked a lot today about how the Warriors are doing a great job at taking shots, easy shots away at the rim from this team, making it really hard for Sacramento to score easy buckets in the paint, uh, which is something that they have kind of fueled their offense for all season long. And that helps in turn give guys open looks from three. So, you know, Kevin Herter has gone through ups and downs, shooting slumps throughout the course of the season. You just have to hope that he comes out at home in front of the, the home crowd and is able to get one or two to fall early, and that's the spark. A lot like we saw with Keegan Murray today. I think that they're, it's not really a question of they need to adjust in the ways that they're getting him the ball or the ways that they're, they're looking to get him shots because he is getting good looks. He's just not knocking them down. So if he's able to do that, it's not just about, um, you know, the primary defender on him. Because, of course, even when he's missing shots, you're not going to just give Kevin Herter a wide-open look on purpose from three. But it's about the secondary defender. When he comes off of that screen or he comes off the dribble handoff, if he's hit two or three in a row, that's going to force other guys 
to lock eyes on him, to move away from their defender, shade a little bit closer to him, that's when you're going to get the more open space, uh, not only for other guys to get looks from three, but to penetrate and get backdoor cuts and easier shots at the rim. So it, it just has a kind of twofold or threefold effect on the way the whole court and offense opens up. You could see it in Golden State, you know, down the stretch when they were running their offense tonight. Once everybody gets some good shots, good looks, and knocks down some threes, whether it's Poole or Wiggins or Thompson or Steph, that just forces the defense to react that much more when the ball swings from side to side. And if Kevin Herter's able to get hot a little bit, it will have the same effect for Sacramento. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. Well, hey, real quick, I want to give a shout-out to everybody that's joining in here, all the new members and all the new subscribers here on YouTube. If you're a Kings fan, make sure you smash up that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, This is Royal Rebounds, the Sacramento Kings YouTube channel for fans, by fans. We are live after every single Kings game. We appreciate all your support. Hitting that like button and that subscribe button really, really helps us out. Shout-out to Big Bird, Patrick, uh, Matthew. I saw Timmy was in here as well, and Jeremiah uh bloodline daniel barry welcome in everybody welcome in calvin i want to talk about the other guys and uh you know this is the bench um you know we've seen some underwhelming performances by guys like trey lyles We've seen some big performances from guys like Malik Monk. I love what I saw out of Davion Mitchell defensively. Uh, also scored a little bit tonight. But I'm thinking maybe the Kings need to bring in a little bit more defense when they reach home in Golden 1 Center. And I have one guy that's on my radar. And no, that's not Alex Len, even though he's been playing well. It's Kessler Edwards, Calvin. This was the Kings' big acquisition at the trade deadline. He's played a combined three minutes in these four playoff games. Uh, I thought he was a great addition to the Kings, uh, playing great defense, also uh, stroking it from three-point range. I thought he was the missing piece for this Sacramento Kings team. Uh, Give me your thoughts on, on Kessler Edwards you think he needs more minutes for the Kings? Tell me a little bit about Trey Lyles, Alex Len, and some of these other guys and how they can be a little bit more impactful for the Kings in Game 5. Well, I mean, it's easier said than done, right? I mean, Trey Lyles was great in Game 1 because he was able to knock down open shots. They're, he's one of those guys that is going to get the corner three look um, based on you know who he plays with primarily, whether it's Fox as the primary ball handler or Monk when he's in there in the second unit, those guys being able to penetrate and, and suck the defense in is why Keegan Murray and Trey Lyles get so many wide-open corner three looks. He hit a few of them in game one. He hasn't been able to do that since. Um, and Trey is also a guy that you know during the course of the regular season has put the ball on the floor at times made really good decisions with it. Uh, the Warriors have done a good job at, at taking that away from that part of the game away from him, um, really taking that away from everybody that's not Monk or Fox. I mean, those are the only two guys that have really been able to get to the rim at will uh, for obvious reasons. Um, when it comes to Kessler Edwards, it's a really interesting debate to have because, yes, you would love to put a better wing defender out there on guys like Clay and Steph at times, uh, you know, definitely when Davion's not on him primarily or Andrew Wiggins, something like that. And Kessler has shown that he can knock down outside shots when called upon too. Um, but this, you mentioned how evenly matched these teams are and, and how both of them rely on, um, you know, big offensive outputs, scoring a bunch of points in order to win every night. Malik Monk started this series absolutely on cloud nine with the big 32-point performance. Um, and he hasn't been that good since then, but he's been pretty steady for them overall. So it's really hard in a playoff series to limit a guy's minutes that you know has either a clear advantage, you know, on one matchup in a series or has been playing either really well or, or pretty decently well. You know, typically your rotation shortens up a little bit in the playoffs. Your starters are playing more minutes. Um, that doesn't leave a lot of room for the guys that come off the bench. So I think it's a really interesting debate to have because 
there are a lot of reasons where you would think Kessler could really have a, a big impact and help this team a lot. But the question is, you know, how long do you give him? How much of a leash do you give him? If he goes out there and Clay hits a couple of threes right in his face, do you go away from it automatically? Do you give him a little bit more run? You know, how long can you leave other guys like Davion and uh, Malik on the bench? So it, it's a difficult question for uh, Mike Brown to answer, I think. Yeah, it is a really difficult question. But honestly, if if Kevin Herter's continuing to struggle shooting the ball, I'm probably going to go with a different look, and maybe that will be Kessler Edwards. I did like the statement you made about maybe potentially having one of Kessler Edwards or Davion Mitchell out there at all times, maybe not in the starting lineup, but in terms of off the bench, uh, and just stagger them to stay on Steph Curry because he's the guy that has really gotten going for the Golden State Warriors. And, man, is it a heartbreaker when that guy hits a step-back three on you from half court, from from anywhere on the floor. It, it is absolutely ridiculous how good of a three-point shooter Steph Curry is. I got Ty here up on stage. He's got his hand up. So let's go over to Ty and, and hear his thoughts on the game today. G'day, g'day. How are you all doing? G'day, Ty. Um... Terrorism. I think that's the key word to put this down to is terrorism. Um, we knew the Kings had a lot, well, I'd say a lack of experience when it comes to the playoffs. But, like, if I was a Kings fan, I would be absolutely crushed the fact that you're that the guy who's won an NBA championship is the one who was being a dickhead. Like, th- that would make me feel a certain type of way. If it's like, Davion, if it's a Keegan, you know what I mean? I can't say Kevin Otis since he's been to the playoffs before, but anyone who's not necessarily been to the playoffs, it makes sense. But the guy who has the most experience is the one who's like, you know, making stupid decisions like that would hurt. Malik Monk, uh, you know, taking those, taking that early layup that was just stupid. Uh, you know, De'Aaron passing it out of bounds. I think it was like three minutes left or something like that. Like, those type of things are going to bite you in the ass, as it did. Overall, I think the game was good. I enjoyed it as an NBA fan. Uh, Steph does what Steph does. It's as simple as that. There is no chance at really containing him, in a sense. Like, you just have to pray. Uh, Clay had a good game. Looney and Draymond had a good game. Really, just, like, their six, their main six players, all played well. I mean, Wiggins was okay for the Kings. Um... I kind of agree, and that's just about Keegan, right? Which I'm glad he played well today. And this goes with anyone on the team. If you're not going to play aggressive, and your name's not Sabonis or Fox, like, I personally would have no problem benching you. Like, I, I was like, if Keegan doesn't play well, or if he doesn't be aggressive, bench him. He played aggressive. So now it's the same thing with Kevin Hurdle. We can't continue to guarantee this guy a starting spot, playoff time anyways, if he's not going to be br- aggressive or just good in general like he has not been good at all this entire playoffs and really his entire playoff career he's not been a good playoff performer I feel like Kessler should have played a bit since I heard you mentioning it um I don't mind the Alex one minute at all I actually kind of like it because it just allows you know physicality kind of sets the tempo and it's like if Alex Lynn gets in the foul trouble cool he's, he's not going to play much anyways where that necessarily matters but um, I would still be confident if I was you guys. It is 2-2, and uh, I just texted someone this. <laughs> uh, they said they were depressed. Um, if the series continues to go the way it is, where the home team wins their home games, the Kings are going to win this. They they have home court advantage. Golden State can't win on the road. So instead of it being, I think I said six, Kings and six, it'll be Kings and seven. Ty, so, I, find yeah. it, I find it pretty interesting that you call out De'Aaron Fox for a, a turnover with three minutes left and you call out Harrison Barnes for that shot at the end, yet you praise Steph Curry, the guy that has the most experience in this entire series, probably the best player in this entire series, calls a timeout with no timeouts left, gives the Kings a foul shot and possession and a chance to win the basketball game. Oh, no, that, that was also a dickhead move. I was just... Uh, you. <laughs> That's one of the biggest dickhead moves to fucking do. I don't know what Steph was thinking. Well, I mean, I get what he was thinking, but you've got to be more self-aware of the situation that you have in the timeouts because that could have easily killed him. If 
You know what I mean? Draymond isn't. Uh, well, you got to give. I know you won't, but I will as a non uh, biased fan. I'll give a lot of credit to Draymond for being an intelligent defender for like shading Fox and pretty much cutting off, you know, any type of lane to move where he has to pass to the Harrison Barnes, you know what I mean? That's a high IQ defender right there and it shows you experience. But, you know, if Draymond's not there or if it goes a bit differently, like they could have easily won because Steph Curry made it, you know, just had a brain fall. So, oh, one more thing. Uh, just the bonus. The bonus got to be more aggressive. Like, I'm starting to get sick of it, of this guy not being aggressive. Like, I get it, you're hurt. And uh, this comes down more to the roster construction that there is no other shot creators outside of Fox and, uh, Fox and Monk, like, consistently. So then I'm like, I'm looking at my big man, please attack, please do something. And he's like, kind of making it four on five at times. Kyle, you got any comments there for Ty? No, I think that's a valid statement. I mean, making it four on five is maybe a little bit of an exaggeration. I know you weren't, you know, totally uh, meaning that, but I, I do uh, agree. You know, it's what I said earlier in the show about how the, the Warriors, the way the Warriors are playing him is really, really great. They know that he's going to be constantly looking to make that play for somebody else first before himself. So they're not throwing the double team at him right away because he's too good at picking those apart. You can't immediately send somebody as soon as he touches the ball. You have to make him guess and make him think, when is it coming? Where is it coming from? I still haven't seen it. I'm looking for somebody to cut. No one is moving. And by that point, you know, he's been backing somebody down for two or three seconds. And then finally he goes into his, his move. Um, it just kind of plays into their hands. So I do think he could get the ball and be much, much quicker at going to his, his first move aggressively to score as opposed to looking for somebody else. Um, and, and, you know, Looney and, and the Warriors have done a good job on him. But, yeah, I think that Ty is, is spot on there. Awesome. I want to say one last thing before we move on, and that's to game five. And that's just if you were to flip these situations over and De'Aaron Fox was the one that called that foul – or, sorry, that timeout at the end of the game with no timeouts left – he would have been grilled. You would have been hearing about it all week long on ESPN about how the Kings uh, are not a good basketball team, how De'Aaron Fox is holding them back. I don't think you're going to hear about it once uh, on ESPN. So, uh, you know, superstars get get their treatment, I guess, and De'Aaron Fox needs to prove himself, I guess. Uh, but, hey, let's talk about Game 5, Calvin. I see some people here in the chat saying Game 5 is a must-win for the Kings. I think I agree with them. Give me your thoughts. Oh, absolutely. It's a must-win for both teams. Uh, I mean, the team that wins Game 5 tied in a 2-2 series, you know, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's it's like 90% of the time, basically, that they go on to win the series. So uh, it, it's absolutely a must-win. But, uh, you know, we brought this up after Game 3. <laughs> really every game for the Kings in the playoffs is a must win. I mean, that's how, that's just how it's going to be treated for them. No matter how many games they win, even if they went up three, one today, people would still be on ESPN tomorrow saying, Oh, don't count the Warriors out their championship experience, blah, blah, blah. They're going to get through there. It would be the Kings. It's a must win for the Kings because they have to close the series out and they can't afford to give golden state any momentum going back to San Francisco for a game six. So, uh, yes, it is 100% a game, a must-win game five. Yeah, yeah, I think if, if Golden State wins, if they win game five, they're going to win the series in six games. If the Kings win go, uh, game five, it could still go seven. Um, but, yes, we're talking about two uh, two different teams in very different life cycles of their teams, right? The Kings are are a team that hasn't proven anything really. Uh, they're young. They're still on their way up versus the Warriors are, are fighting like hell to maintain on, um, themselves on top of the mountain, uh, which we know is also as equally as hard or, or even harder. Calvin, tell me how the Kings need to operate if they want to win game five in Golden One Center. They have to stay true to what they've done all season long. It, it, these two teams, because of how similar they are in the way that they attack, uh, and the way that they attack, look, Fox has been really, really good all series long. It, it would be great if you could get 
finally a 20-point game out of Domas, you know, like a, what we saw during the regular season, 20-plus points, 12-plus rebounds. Um, because I, I think that, you know, when you look at the stars of this series, Domas is really the only major star in the series that hasn't quite played to his peak potential yet. So if you're able to get that finally out of him, have him be a little more aggressive early in the game, a lot like they did tonight, but just to continue to do that, and I think the way that he's got to attack has to be different as well. It, it can't be, you know, if you're in the post and you're waiting for the double team to come, it can't be four, five, six dribbles before you make that first move. You have to be quicker. You have to be more deliberate about it. And when you catch the ball in the middle of the floor in space, Domas is a very physical player, and that's a good thing most of the time. But he cannot lead with that shoulder. The Warriors are too disciplined defensively. Looney will take a charge on that every single time. If he catches the ball with even a little bit of space, just go up over him with a nice left-hand hook shot or a pump fake, something like that. He's got to be more decisive and more deliberate in the way he looks for his uh, looks to get his points. Um, as far as the rest of them go, you're going to need a good performance from the bench. That goes without saying. It doesn't have to be Malik Monk, you know, leading the way scoring, but it's got to be a balanced uh, attack, and you're going to have to get production from two to three of those guys. Um, and then you you need the three-point shooting to continue, and you have you absolutely have to buckle down on the glass. They did a much better job of that today limiting the Warriors' offensive rebounds. It, that's one of the biggest stats in this series is who controls uh, the glass, who's better and more hungry for the offensive rebounds. That's going to go a long way to winning. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Marcus and PK here uh, for joining in in the chat. Um, but Calvin, I, I couldn't agree more in the, in the Sabonis subject. I don't think we've really seen Sabonis, you know, rise to the top here in this series. Yes, He's very important. Yes, he's battled inside. And he's spent a ton of energy battling with guys like, um, like uh, I'm blanking right now, Draymond Green or Kavon Looney. But I'm looking here at the stats for the series. Free throws is what really stands out to me, Calvin. He shot 50% from the free throw line in game one, 66% in game two, 50% in game three, and 0% today uh, in game four. He needs to be more aggressive. He needs to get more calls, and he needs to make his free throws. And the last thing I'd really add on there is they're giving him a ton of wide-open mid-range shots. He's got he's got to make those shots. He's got to convert those baskets, bring the defender out a little bit, and create some more room for De'Aaron Fox inside and some of the other guys cutting to the basket, which would help Sabonis in the assist department and setting up some of his teammates. But I would like to see him be a little bit more aggressive. I mean, I, I could say that in every game, right? I wanted him to be more aggressive. Keep yeah. the shoulder up. Don't be pushing off people, but be more aggressive. Fight inside. I, I love what he brings to this team. I just, I always want more Sabonis. No, that's a great point. He could definitely try to make them pay a little bit more on that mid-range jump shot, and that is going to have more than one effect, right? Because when you come out to guard that, that's when it, if he, if the last line of defense, whoever it is, Draymond or Looney, is the one guarding Sabonis, if they have to come further away from the basket to defend even a jump shot from Domas, that opens up passing lanes. And that's something that the Warriors have done a good job at taking away. Um, so I think that's a very good point. Another thing that the Kings could make an adjustment with is actually throwing, running screens for Domas. Uh, you know, he, he oftentimes is out there uh, either in dribble handoff or pick and roll far away from the basket. If you run that action off of him and then have another guy come to screen his man so that he can roll to the basket, that might be a way to get him an easy look uh, and force a few more defensive switches, uh, which could open up another look for somebody else. So uh, that might be an adjustment that Mike Brown could make as well. Yeah, definitely. And not saying that Sabonis and Draymond Green are the same player because they're much different players, but both of these guys like uh, to set up their teammates early on in this Golden State dynasty Draymond Green wasn't making shots. As soon as he was able to make that mid-range or that three consistently, it really opened up a lot of things for the Golden State Warriors, and they became a much, much better basketball team. I think Sabonis could do the same thing for, for the Sacramento Kings here if he starts making 
some shots. Uh, Calvin, I know you got to get going here, so I want to wrap it up. Uh, but real quick, uh, give me a prediction for Wednesday's game in Golden One Center. Well, I know people aren't uh, too happy with me right now because I predicted the Warriors would win in a tight game here in Game 4. Um, but don't, don't worry, I am going to uh, kind of even things out a little bit. I think the Kings come back and win Game 5. This series has been a lot of fun to watch, a lot of really close games. I think it will be another closer game. I don't see a double-digit win for the Kings here, but I do see them winning Game 5 at home. I, I think Fox and Sabonis are going to play really, really well. The bench, I think, will play better in front of the home crowd. You know, Lyles and uh, Monk will both uh, be on their games. Davion has been so good for them in this series, even though he doesn't score a ton. Um, I think he'll have a, a little bit better game offensively as well. I'd like to see Herder get going as well. And then Keegan, we really haven't talked about Keegan much um, today, but he was so, so good for them tonight. And that could be a huge momentum swing uh, for the Kings if he if his confidence stays high and he's able to hit another four or five threes in game five. I think they win 124 to 117. I like it. I like it. Shout out to Sean and Alfie, man, for joining in. Appreciate both of you. Calvin, I know the series is tied 2-2 here going back to Sacramento, but I think the Warriors and the Warriors fans are a little scared, man. I mean, when we were on our way to Golden State, the Kings were up 2-0. All I could hear from the Golden State fans were, Sabonis was using the ball as a weapon. The referees are not on our side. Sabonis grabbed Draymond's foot, blah, blah, blah. Now we're headed back to Sacramento with a tied series. What are the Warriors fans going to complain about now, Calvin? Oh, they'll find something to complain about. Don't don't worry about that. That will be easy for them to do. Uh, but another thing the Warriors are going to have to deal with now is the cowbells are yes. coming back. So time to kill them with the cowbells. Yes, yes. I mean, I think it's official. The Golden State Warriors have the worst fan base in the NBA, so they can definitely find something to complain about but as a couple people here are pointing out in the chat pk especially we almost won this game guys we almost won this game could you imagine being up 3-1 against the reigning nba champs in the first round of the playoffs and heading home to close it out i know that didn't happen but things are really close this king's team is is getting there they're getting there one step at a time I hope we win this series. If it doesn't happen this year, we definitely have some building blocks, a foundation to build off of for next season. So I'm feeling very, very positive about that. But I'm a lot happier after this game than I was after game three, Calvin. Uh, the Kings definitely stuck it out to the end of this game. They, they tried. Yes, they made a lot of mistakes. The Golden State Warriors made a lot of mistakes as well, uh, and they were able to come up with the victory. But I think game five will be a little bit different. And honestly, Calvin, every single one of these games I look like, look at as a learning lesson for the Kings each mistake that they make I look at as a learning lesson something that they can build off of and hopefully not make the same mistake again shout out to Neil for joining in here but Calvin I think that pretty much wraps us up you have anything else you want to say to the royal family out here well thank you guys for watching of course um, I really love what you just said there Barry to end it about every game being an experience a confidence builder a building block you know, and what this team is trying to do. If the Kings would have, were to come out and get swept in this series, you know, the, the people like us that, that follow the team closely and, you know, watch most of the games, uh, we wouldn't really listen to too much of the outside noise about how they weren't ready and, you know, it's a fluke and all this stuff. Um, but this should be clear as day evidence that not only is it not a fluke, but that everything that we've talked about through the course of the season about how this team is building for this moment and they're building this not just for this postseason but for the future this is something that they're going to stick around for they're going to be in the conversation of you know one of the top teams in the western conference for years this performance even if they lose this series should tell you everything you need to know about whether or not that's a true statement and i think it absolutely is true yeah yeah that it is and has 
Has the Kings taken the easy road at all this season? Have they taken an easy path anywhere? No, they have not. So uh, anybody that expected the Kings to win in four or or five games here in this se- uh, series, you, you're crazy. Um, but, hey, another test for the Kings on Wednesday. I'm excited. We'll definitely be here live on YouTube and on Twitter Spaces to break down the entire game. Calvin will be live with me back here in the studio. Thank you guys so much for watching. If you're a Kings fan, make sure you smash up that like button. Hit that subscribe button. We'll see you all on Wednesday. Have a good one. Go Kings. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.